In the 2016 presidential election, only around 60% of eligible Americans showed up to vote. Even less voted in the 2014 midterms, a shocking 36%. These numbers might not mean much alone, but in comparison to the rest of the world's democracies, we are really, really low on the list. Why does the United States have such an issue with voter turnout, and why are we so far behind? To understand this phenomenon, we thought it would be beneficial to bring in a comparative politics perspective, a first for democracy light. This week, I got to talk with University of Puget Sound professor Patrick O'Neill about how he sees the issue of low voter turnout here in the context of usually much higher rates among the rest of the world's democracies. And just as a preface, I thought it was a really interesting question that you asked because I've never really thought about it head on or directly. And so yesterday and then before you came in, I was thinking about it and doing a little bit of reading and trying to understand. There are lots of explanations that are given. I think the general thing that you see if you look at non-governmental organizations or intergovernmental organizations that focus on voter turnout around the world, one of the things that you see is that no organization thinks that there's one explanation. So it would be nice if there were something where they said, well, clearly that in these countries, these sorts of countries, you get this kind of turnout and in these you don't. But uh, that's not the case. But there are a number of really interesting things that come up. Some of them are pretty clear, and some of them are, are less clear. Professor O'Neill pointed to several features of democratic governments which can, independent from other aspects of the government and society, predispose a country to higher or lower voter turnout rates. One of the things that, you know, in very elementary comparative politics that we first go to is we go to electoral systems, right? So, you know, the United States uses the single-member district system. As a result of the single-member district system, there are a number of possible things that could happen. This one doesn't seem to be the case at all anymore, but in the past there was a common argument that a single-member district system, certainly this is still true, creates two large parties because you have these two large catch-all parties. In many cases, they're not able to differentiate themselves clearly between the two, and that depresses voter turnout because people can't distinguish between them. That no longer seems to be the case. And if that's true, and this will be really interesting in, in what's going to unfold over the next year or even even next month, that if it's true that we have that those things are related, that voter turnout and articulation of clear platforms are connected, then increasing polarization in the United States would suggest that voter turnout should go up now and not down. So we would normally think that, oh, people are so turned off, now they're going to vote even less because they're, you know, so turned off by both sides. But electoral turnout now should actually go up. And there's an interesting example of this, which is if you look at the case of Turkey, where they had parliamentary elections and they had a referendum on a constitutional revision that was going to strengthen power in the hands of a directly elected president. So they moved away from a semi-presidential system to a pure presidential system the voter turnout was extremely high. And for many people, they were surprised why in a situation where the government was really trying to marginalize the opposition, why you had really high turnout and people voted because they saw that the stakes were really high. So if that's the case, then we could argue that even though a single member district system theoretically only produces two parties and maybe that weakens voter turnout, it doesn't make any difference if, in fact, the political center in the country starts to disappear. So that raises a really interesting question about 
should we automatically assume that higher voter turnout is a good thing? Because we could make the argument that low voter turnout, at least under certain circumstances, is a reflection of the fact that people don't feel like the stakes are super high. The flip side of this, obviously, then, is the argument that you get high voter turnout when you have systems that are proportional representation because people feel like they can vote for smaller parties. They feel like those parties can articulate a specific interest that they have, say it's an environmental party or say it's a party that represents a religious group or an ethnic group or something along those lines. And so the general argument that we've made in past is that proportional representation would increase voter turnout. Again, with the caveat, if that if you have an electoral system, if you have PR and a system that produces a, a lot of political parties, there's also the argument that that can depress voter turnout because people are so completely baffled by who they should vote for. Another feature of democracy is that of the type of rule, whether presidential like the U.S. or parliamentary like Britain. So the, the other one that's related to that is the argument that you're going to get higher voter turnout when it's a parliamentary system as opposed to a presidential system. So you could get high voter turnout, obviously, for the election of a president because it's a zero-sum game, right? Because that it's very high stakes because only one person can become president. Then the idea or argument would be here is that voter turnout would be higher because people realize that the dominant party also winds up choosing or having a disproportionate influence in the choosing of the prime minister. So you have a single vote that then contributes to who gets into the legislature, but then also who becomes the executive. So then you're then the stakes are higher. So in the United States, it might be that people are really mobilized for a presidential election, but they're not very mobilized for a legislative election, especially if it's a safe district or something along those lines. But in parliamentary system, people could be much more mobilized because they're saying, look, my party needs to get as many seats as possible in a parliamentary system because they need to have a plurality or a majority so that they can then choose the prime minister. And so that would suggest that then when you get a combination of PR and a parliamentary system, that would be the very highest level of turnout. Thinking about the role that the fundamental structure of governments play in their voter turnout rates was something I hadn't considered before. I usually think about legislative or other kinds of barriers to voting that exist within a country, like voter ID laws in certain states, or the fact that voting day is on a Tuesday, a day most people have work. Luckily, Professor O'Neill had some pretty interesting stuff to say about this too. There's an organization, the International Institute for Democracy and Electoral Assistance, called IDEA, that focuses on improving electoral systems worldwide. And they raise this idea that an important component is the idea of civic duty. I like that because it's so fuzzy, and I always like concepts that are really fuzzy. But the point that they were making is that in some countries there is a clear culture. It's not clear where that's come from, but certainly the government can play a role in maintaining a norm that voting is a civic duty. Some countries do this, you know, from top down, they do something like compulsory voting, even if they don't necessarily prosecute people. But let me give another example, which is that if you look at most, I think most of the most established democracies around the world, elections always take place on a Sunday. And so there's this idea that it is Maybe it's overstated, but there's this idea that there's this holiday. There's this day that nobody works. There is this kind of Sabbath, if you will. And there is the idea that we have been freed from other obligations. And today, everybody goes out and votes. 
And so if there's one you know, very small thing that we could do in the United States, it would be to shift when we have elections instead of having them on a Tuesday where people are running around at the last minute because they didn't fill out their ballots on Sundays. And I think if we go to another country where we see that people view their civic duty as something that everybody is doing akin to, or I'm drawing a, a, an inappropriate comparison with the 4th of July, but in some ways I think about it and, and reading a little bit about Australia, that there are just, this is the day where everybody knows you go out, there are events going on, and, and everybody understands that's the day when you vote, and, and, and there is a kind of whole culture around that. Certainly that could be done, and that would require articulating things that are less about voter registration laws and these things that are really important, but thinking more about how you reinstill in people the idea that there's a duty to sustain democratic institutions. So what O'Neill is saying here is that the United States is pretty unique in the fact that we have voting in the middle of the week. This doesn't only cause barriers to getting to the polls, like I previously assumed. It also does something to determine the culture of voting in the United States. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> that was fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome.